Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. I wonder how many people are going to see the title of the show, Hair Rules, and just not even open it. It's going to be a fascinating experiment that I'm doing. And I'm using hair rules as a metaphor for the rules that we have in our life that we live by. And they're so deeply programmed, we're not even aware of them. But these rules drive how we choose to live. And a lot of times, we don't even realize that we are choosing this. And the first example was, one day I realized, oh my gosh, I have these rules about my hair. And I wouldn't make changes. So here's a simple example. I've parted my hair on the left side of my head since about sixth grade, maybe fifth grade. Always done that. Never changed it. Thought about changing it, but didn't really spend much time. And then, I don't know, probably a couple years ago, my hairstylist, when she was blow drying my hair, she was, she styled it on the other side. You know, they usually ask, oh, what side? But she started on the other side to help with the body of it. And I was like, huh, you mean I could actually part my hair on the right side? It blew my mind. This may sound ridiculous, but how often in your life, in certain arenas, are you living by rules that you haven't even examined to see, does it still fit? Is it working for you? Are you getting the results that you want? Do you even believe in these rules? Are they your rules or somebody else's? For me, for my hair, it was my fifth grade self, my probably 11-year-old self who decided one day, because I used to part it in the middle, but when I was about 11, I said, you know, I want to part it on the left-hand side. And it's been that way ever since, without ever going back, checking in, is this what I want? Do I want to change it? Do I want to update it? And my hairstyle is pretty boring because it stays pretty consistent through the decades. So this I have a rule, obviously, that things must always be the same, at least with my hair. And here's the thing. You can give yourself permission. Whatever arena that you are in that you're looking at, you don't need to have shame or guilt. You're not doing anything bad if you don't want to change it. It's about being really conscious. Do you want to change it or do you want to keep it the same? There's certain things that I like to keep the same. There's certain things like with my hair, I didn't want to spend a lot of energy on. But the freedom I got when I started to part it on the other side or wear it on the other side, and then it was like the the struggle that I had where it was flatter, and then all of a sudden it wasn't so flat because I was allowing it to flip over to the other side. It was fantastic. There was so much freedom. So for hair rules, people may have rules that it must always be the same. Don't change it. Those are mine. It has to be a real color. Do not cover those grays because that's not authentic. You must be authentic. Then there's people that decide, I'm going to have purple hair, I'm going to have blue hair, I'm going to have pink hair. I just saw a commercial with Cindy Lauper last night where Cindy Lauper had this awesome light pink hair. It looks so cool. And it was sticking out in all sorts of ways. I wouldn't even know how to do it. But she's never been a person that's followed the traditional hair rules. 
So what are the rules that you're living by that may not be yours, or they you decided them so long ago? My 11-year-old self is different in some ways than my 45-year-old self. What fits for me now? What do I want to choose? And really evaluating that in so many other aspects of your life, because there's other things that, well, we've always done it that way, so we should always do it. And I'm looking at it going, hmm, maybe this doesn't work for my family anymore. It may have worked for the first two kids, but maybe it's time to reevaluate that. So by being able to take notice to certain rules that you may have had, you can examine different parts of your life. And here's the other side that's so, so important. Give yourself permission that you don't have to have an immediate answer. We often treat ourselves the way we treat Google. We go in and type in a problem. There is the solution, the answer, the link. It's quite frustrating when it doesn't quite work with technology and we treat ourselves that way. Maybe you need to percolate on it. Giving myself that permission to percolate or giving myself the permission that I'm a slow learner and it doesn't correlate with my intelligence was one of the most freeing things that I did for myself. It took away so much frustration and then which only made it harder to actually make a decision or get clarity. So give yourself permission, if you need to, to percolate, to not have an answer right away and work through it and and test it out. You can always experiment. Maybe you part your hair on your left like I, you can part it on the right. Because what's really the worst thing that's going to happen? Maybe it doesn't look so good today. That's okay. Part it back on the left again. But being willing to experiment. And for me, it's that even though I do all this work about being willing to be vulnerable and being courageous, I notice in the hair arena, I wasn't doing that. You know, I, I'm going to be going to get my hair done. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't go get it done. Because we're talking about doing it at a different color. And part of me wants to do it a different color. But then I have this rule of, well, that's not authentic. Well, I do have grays now. And I do like to cover those up. So I remind myself, why not play? There's all this chatter in our brains. And some people are like, no, this is the color I go with and this is it. Or no, absolutely not. I'm allowing myself to go gray. I'm going to be authentic. And I know when I was about 16, I was like, absolutely. I was highlighting my hair back then. And, uh, but back then I had this belief that no, I need to be authentic and allow my hair to go gray. Well, I don't have that belief anymore. And I'm giving myself permission to play with my hair because hair can grow back. And it can be an experiment, just like I challenged myself or my clients to go and experiment, commit to something, as Peter Walsh would say, commit, test it out for six months, and then reevaluate. The hair will grow back. So what are the rules that you are living by that you haven't looked at? And they're so deeply programmed, you're not even aware last weekend, I've told the story quite a bit this week, last weekend, I was going to swim meet with my coaches and they come to my house and then we carpool down and my daughter drives our minivan. And so she was out of town, but I we had a van full of people and we got into the minivan and it was 44 degrees Fahrenheit in California, which was one of our first cool days. And the windows between the body heat of everybody and the cool outdoor air, the windows fogged up. So I turned on the defrost and we're loading up and getting in and nothing seems to be really working. I'm also feeling the time deadline because we're the leaders. We need to get there before the team and we're really starting to push it. And it's about an hour drive. So we need to get going. So I drive around my cul-de-sac. I'm kind of 
bent over, looking through a corner of the window, trying to see and hopefully not hit any cars. And I know my street well enough. I know I have enough space. And then I go out and I got to the road and then I get on the main road. And in my head is a shit storm. It's like, oh my gosh, I cannot see the defrost isn't working. Why isn't my daughter told me this? She's driving around not safely. We need to get this fixed. Why is this not working? How am I going to get down there? I guess I'm going to have to pull over until the fog goes away, roll down the windows and pull over. That was my solution. That was the only solution I had. And when I've told this story to a lot of my clients this week, I said, what would you do? And I want you to think about what would you do if you're in my situation, you have a van full of people, you need to be someplace in an hour, you're running a few minutes behind as it is because of the delay, and your windows are fogged, what would you do? I would think the answer is you would wipe down the insides of the windshield. That was not a solution that I could even see. Byron Katie will say that our thoughts that we think can create prison walls in our life. I have had this rule that I didn't even know about until a week ago that you never, ever, ever touch the inside of a window in a car. Never. Because then you'll create streaks. And when you're driving at dawn or at dusk, when the sun is setting and it's coming through the window and it's really hard to see, you see those streaks. So I had all these limiting beliefs that were programmed and I didn't realize it until that very moment when, well, actually it was about four minutes after that very moment because I was about to pull over my car and just stop and wait. And then I realized, wait, I can just take my sweatshirt and wipe down where I can see. And at the same time, my, my coach also on the other side, Scott, he wiped down so we can now see the whole glass and off we went. And I was able to get on the freeway and, you know, and keep the windows clear. And after we started driving, I went, wow, I've had this limiting belief that I can't touch the windows because they'll make it dirty and make it harder for next time. And I also have this other belief of I can't clean the windows as well as a professional can. So I need to take it in and heaven forbid that I actually do it. And it wasn't that I was afraid of the work so much is that I can't do it. And one of the things that I always talk with my clients or with you on the show about is, is this idea of practice. Okay, get some Windex. I even have the cost to clean wind, windshields. Wipe it down. If it's not clear, wipe it down some more, you know, practice it and learn how to make it streak free. But it's amazing. What is so deeply programmed in our subconscious that we don't know about? And you may want to think, hey, I need to be really prepared before I go into this. I need to know what all the problems are. Well, I can tell you this. Last Saturday morning, the last thing I thought I was going to learn was about a deep-seated limiting belief I had about windshields. Was That was not on my radar. Some people would say, well, Corinne, you, you, know, you got blindsided. Well, what happened was an awareness happened about how something was getting in my way and actually... I was putting myself in not a very safe situation because I was willing to drive with foggy windows until I decided that I should pull over right before I decided just to wipe it down with my sweatshirt. I give you that because when you go through your life and you notice maybe you're, quote, blindsided and you're going through a situation, I invite you to come from a place of curiosity and 
don't judge yourself or beat yourself up. Like I could have said, oh my gosh, I am a flipping idiot. This is so stupid. One of the things I've learned so much from Brene Brown, but one of my, one of my favorite quotes from Brene is owning your story and loving yourself is the bravest thing you can do. And shame cannot exist when you share your story. So I could have a lot of shame of, I'm an idiot. That's a really stupid thing. But I've shared that story. Like I've owned it. I've loved myself. It was like, wow, and fascination. Here is this belief that I had that was getting in the way of my well-being, my my coach's well-being as we're driving to a swim meet. And it could have been potentially some cars. Fortunately, it was early enough in the morning, but still. And now it's, I realize it's about unpacking that. It's about going, oh, that's a belief, but I can learn. I can wipe this down. And also I can learn how to clean a windshield. And I realize for some of you who are really good at some of these skills, maybe laughing right at my, at this, but I remember years ago when I was learning how to cook and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I would get into, I would tap into scarcity. I'd freak out and I would freeze. I was like, oh, I can't do this. And I'd have to remind myself it's learnable. So when you have shame or fear in certain arenas, you may shut down. It's like when I used to teach beginning swimming at the college to adults. And these adults were 18. I think the oldest was 85 years old. And so especially the elderly people, they had had some pretty traumatic experiences with swimming. And we were in a pool that was about three and a half to four feet deep. So everybody could stand. And one of the things that we did is we, I call it bobbing, where we jump up and down because they learn how to do balance and air exchange. We get some cardio in there and we develop strength in our legs. And I would always remind them because as soon as they would get in a place of fear, they would shut down. They didn't know how to operate. And I would remind them, if you start to panic, put your feet on the ground. You can stand. Put your feet on the ground. I said that to them probably for the first three to four weeks of the semester to constantly remind them that they could stand. And so in those moments that they were freaking out and I fell out of balance and like were struggling, and I would remind them, put your feet on the ground, they would stand and they go, oh, yeah, I can do this. It's the same thing. So whatever your arena is, you can think my arena, whether it's the car or the, or the, uh, the hair are silly arenas. And those are just specific examples. It could also be you're going in for meeting or you're trying to get a contract or you want to be in a deeper committed relationship with your partner or you want to cultivate a friendship or you're ready to take a next upward move in your career. Whatever it is, those are going to be arenas. When you go into that arena, that is when typically these limiting beliefs will come up and you'll find out them. I invite you to stay curious and understand what it is that you have chosen to believe. And maybe you never even questioned it. Maybe you said, well, that's what somebody told me. So that must be true. I never even use my critical thinking skills and that is okay. And I never use my critical thinking skills that Corinne, you can't wipe the windshield. You can't touch the windshield. I never used that critical thinking skill, but I did now. And you can believe that next time I'm in that situation, because we haven't fixed it yet. Next time in that situation, which could be tomorrow as we go to swim meet, I will be wiping down with my sweatshirt and I can go get the Windex to clean it up later on to make sure it's streak free. It's important to not judge yourself 
as these arenas come available to you, as your limiting beliefs become available to you. I have developed a practice of letting go of perfection and it's and it's a daily practice. And then guess what? Last Saturday, I found a new arena. Who would have thought that windshields was gonna be an arena for me? And it just means that there's work to do. It's about uncovering these limiting beliefs that I know, especially with that one, it's not true. It doesn't mean I'm a fraud in letting go of perfection. It doesn't mean I'm a fraud in letting go of my own struggles. It's just another area to clean up. Sometimes my clients will say to me, I've done so much work. Why am I going through this? And they think it invalidates the work that they've done in their own personal development and their own leadership development. But that's not the case. It's like when you clean your house and then all of a sudden you open a drawer, all it means is that drawer needs to be cleaned. It doesn't mean you're a failure because it's not as clean as the rest of your house. There's And there's always going to be some upkeep to do. So when you do this, be curious, be compassionate with yourself. Check in with these limiting beliefs that you have in this arena. And they can be fun to uncover because you realize these are prison walls that you've been living with and they're not even true. I know I can clean a windshield. I know I can get rid of the streaks. I also now know that I can wipe down the fog that's in the windshield. Simple arena. Hair. I can change my hair. I can wear it in different ways. It doesn't always have to be the same. And giving myself permission to say, if I want to change my color, I can do that too. Because guess what? This is what my hairstylist has been trying to teach me. Corinne, we can always change it back. It's not permanent. And I have to remember that because sometimes I get so into scarcity of, oh, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste money. I don't want to. It's all scarcity instead of commit to it, Corinne. Test it out. See if you like it. Because it can always change. We can always go back. And I give that advice in so many different arenas. Like when kids go off to college and they're worried about their decision. thing I've said for the last 25 years is, well, guess what? You can go be fully committed, go all in. And then if it's not a right fit, you can change your mind and go someplace else. Will will there be additional costs? Probably. Will it be inefficient? Because maybe with the transfer, not all of your classes will move over? Probably. Can you do it? Absolutely. We need to let go, especially myself, of this idea of we need to be efficient or productive and instead allow ourselves to experience it. Notice what comes up for us and then use inquiry to question like, well, is it true that I can't wipe down the windshield? Is it true that I can't part my hair on the other side? Is it true that I can't ask a friend if they want to go to coffee? Is it true that I can't be a leader in my company? And really ask yourself those things because those are just the beliefs that we have. And the beliefs that we have is what creates the results in our life. And I love the fact that Carol Dweck has said that because it gives a little bit of academic validity to it. It doesn't just sound woo-woo. But she says that like what we believe. And so often your mind overcomes your potential. And 
What I mean by that is my mind overcame my potential to solve a problem with the windshield. And I like to use that as an example, because you can see how I got in my own way. And if we can get in our own way on something as simple as that, how do we get in our own way on the things that are so important to us that maybe our dreams and maybe whether it's who we want to be as a human, the relationships we want to have within our life, or who we want to be in our professional world. And it's always comes down to you being the leader in your life, both personally and professionally. In order to do that, we have to let go of these beliefs that don't serve us. And having our mind get in our way, we don't want it to overcome our potential. So we need to unpack these stories. And the only way to do that is by going into these arenas. And sometimes you'll say, no, no, I need to wait until I have it all figured out Then I can go into the arena. Life doesn't sometimes work that way. Sometimes you're in the arena and then it's like, oh, yeah, this is all the stuff that's going on. And you work on that as you're falling down and getting back up, falling down and getting back up. And that, my friend, is where there is beauty in the mess. There is so much beauty in the mess. And the fact that I have believed that and I have attached to that, it has given me so much freedom. And there are still certain arenas that I forget that because I have these old rules that say, no, you need to be productive. No, you need to be perfect. Even though I don't even use the word perfection in my life, even though I know that perfection is the birthplace of shame. So I give you that in the terms of you be the leader in your life of who you want to be, of the relationships you want to cultivate and have, and of the professional life that you want to have. And by doing that, it's about letting go of these rules that you may have unquestioned, that you may not even realize that are there. So create an awareness, come from a place of curiosity, be compassionate with yourself. And compassion is about being kind, common humanity. You're not the only one. I'm sure many of you can relate to my stories today. Some of you may think I'm just crazy and that's okay too. And then the other aspect of compassion is mindfulness, being aware of our thoughts and our feelings and not being attached to them. And when you can do that, then you can think about how am I getting in my own way with my mind? What are these stories? Are they true? Or are they creating prison walls? And then what is it I really believe? Because now today I believe I can wipe a windshield. I believe I can change my hair. I believe I can cook healthy meals for my family that nourish them and that taste yummy. There was a time in my life I did not believe I could do that. And I didn't do it. But I do do that now for my family. It's taken practice and it's still an ongoing practice. Because I can, you know, make the other day I was cooking tri-tip and it was a little bit more well done. Well, the good news was is that I cooked tri-tip again the next day and it was much better. So I continue to practice. It's always a practice. If you want a place to practice, if you have the voice of you're not enough, you're not good enough, pretty enough, thin enough, strong enough, smart enough, you're not alone, my friend. I used to believe I was the only one. And then many years ago, I met Brene Brown and she had actual research that showed that I was not and many of us struggle with not enough. So as we wrap up 2017, you're going to be inundated to make big plans and to go for 2018 and to change your life. But how do you turn it around? How do you turn around I'm not enough to have a daring year for yourself? And what the heck does that mean? 
when you're rooted with I'm not enough, when you're rooted in shame, it's really hard to have your garden grow and really flourish. The first step is to move over and be in place of compassion, wholehearted living and root in there, self-love, self-trust. And then you grow a garden and it's pretty kick-ass. So that's what this enough group is about. It's about being with other people who are your common humanity, who can share your struggles. They're not going to be there to fix you. It's about, it's a place, a safe place for you to show up, to do your work, to commit to yourself and give you a structure. Cause we all say, Oh yeah, I'll do that. Oh yeah, I'll do that. How good at you are honoring commitments to yourself. I am fantastic at honoring commitments to other people. And I have over the years dramatically improved on honoring my commitment to myself. I used to really suck at it. And then there's certain arenas in my life. Like for example, with my back, I prefer to go to a class where I will have somebody that will work with me and I'll have a group to be a part of. Because while I can do those exercises at home, I'd much rather go to a class. So that's what this enough group is about. It's a place for you to show up, do your work on your professional or in your personal and professional development. And really it comes back to you of who you are and you being enough and being rooted in enoughness and wholeheartedness and compassion. So if you're interested in this, go to the show notes. There'll be a link to the Enough uh, group coaching page. And also on that page, there's a link to sign up for coaching consults because right now I'm interviewing people. I want the right fit for this group of people in this. It's a small group coaching program. It's not for everybody. And I want to make sure it's a good supportive group because we're going to spend a year together and it's going to be awesome. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.